0: Hey, everyone, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Million Dollar Style Show, where we inspire you. We love to inspire you with stories of women who have been successful in business. And we also love to to talk about all things style. And I am really excited because we have a very special guest with us today, Nikki Evans. And she has she has carved out a remarkable career path for herself working in the IT world. So if I can do her justice with the introductions, Nikki, you are the chief thought provoker at Ridgeline Coaching and you help teams get better results externally and internally. So welcome, Nikki, it's so wonderful to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Annie, I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so um, where do we want to begin? I think what I'd love to learn is just how you got started in the IT world, because that's that's where you're swimming in this pool. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I started out um, with a degree in psychology and decided that maybe that wasn't going to get me the kind of job that I wanted. So I went back to school for an MBA because that seemed more practical. Um And while I was in school getting an MBA, uh, friends of mine started a software development company and I believed in them and knew that they were going to do great things. And so I said, I'll do any job you want me to. I will change my major. I will please just tap me when you're ready. Yeah. And so just before I graduated, they said, okay, we're ready. And they hired me and taught me to do software development. And I had a 20 plus year run in technology.
0: Wow. Well, in my mind, because you know, we all know that to thrive in that world, it's, it's essentially a man's world, isn't it? it is. So what were some of the obstacles that you faced, especially 20 years ago? I mean, today it's, and, I, and okay, that's my first question is what were your obstacles even back then, 20 years ago? The next question would be how much of that has changed? Has it progressed at all? But let's start with 20 years ago. So
1: the good news for me was that I didn't know what kind of obstacles I was going to face in business as a woman, let alone in technology as a woman. And I was working with uh, friends that I went to high school with who knew me really well and who just believed in me and took me for granted as a peer. And so I got really lucky that my starting in technology was with people that already knew that I was smart, believed in me, taught me what I needed to know um, and were very supportive. Um, when I started getting moved out onto assignments in in companies because you know, we were a consulting company, so I would go out and do technology engagements for our customers. Um, that's when I started to realize, oh, I'm the only woman on this engagement. oh, I'm the only woman in this department. oh, I, I'm the only woman in software at all in this organization. And so um, that's where I started to realize the obstacles of, getting heard and getting recognized as a peer in the room. Um, So within my company, I didn't feel that at all. And so that led me to, I got a lot of confidence and a lot of um, experience kind of as a peer. Yeah. Then when I went into these other corporations, I started to get that I was different and there was something different. And so I got asked to, you know, run the agenda or take meeting notes or do things that my male colleagues weren't Mm. expected to or asked to do. And I also found that people wouldn't necessarily direct questions to me. Um, When a question came up about a project that I was working on or a project that I was leading, it would usually be directed toward one of my peers that was there with me, unless I was the only one from our organization there. Um, And so kudos to my my male counterparts who would turn to me and say Nikki can you answer that um but often um, even after I was the one answering the questions the questions got directed to to my peers and not to me so I, I kept answering but the question kept going to the guy next to me and that I'd answer and then they'd ask the next question to the guy next to me so it was it was those kind of things and then being Kind of on my own in a client engagement, and having people just not expect that I was going to do the kind of quality work that my male counterparts did, or that I
0: would have the kind of knowledge that they have. What were some of the? Well, <laughs> I still want to go. I still want to go fast forward to how much of that has changed twenty years from now.
1: Um. I will say, you know, I think I learned different ways to, because in my youth, I was, you know, pretty strong headed and pretty straightforward and I'd sometimes address that stuff um, pretty straight on. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty true that even 20 years into my career, often I was the only woman in the room or one of very few. Um, often uh, male counterparts got more of the benefit of the doubt than women did often my point of view was discounted, especially if it was different. What I found is that there was some expectation that you had sort of similar thinking as your leadership team. And if my thinking was divergent from what their thinking was, I found it minimal, minimalized a lot. Yeah. Um, My hope is that that will start to change because people are demanding more diversity and more um, inclusion in in tables like this and and being heard. Um, I don't think that you know, my male peers necessarily set out specifically to diminish my opinion in meetings, but it just was their expectations of what I would be doing versus, you know, what 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 their male counterparts would do just always seem to um, make it a little bit more of a challenge to get heard in a way that there's, there's a fine line between being assertive, and, and being over the line as a woman. And so it was very difficult in male dominated environments. If the men raised their voices to get assertive, they were assertive and confident. If I raised my voice, then I was hysterical and emotional. Yes. So walking that line is still a little bit difficult. So I wish I could say it was a lot better now. I will say there are definitely more women um, now, um, but unfortunately not as many in leadership to, to um, role model how did how to do it well.
0: Yeah. So really what you're saying is in 20 years, it hasn't changed all that much really. Yeah. Not really. So how do you keep your head afloat in that circumstance as a full plane goes by? <laughs> um, you know, I,
1: I think it's just being confident in what you know and where you're supposed to be and and trying to make sure that you're building relationships with people that matter and that you're taking input from people that matter. So when I'm discounted in a, in a certain arena, does that arena matter to me? Um, and if it does, what can I do to improve that? And if it doesn't, then I just you know can kind of move on. I think learning to be a little bit more um, diplomatic, learning to and and helping just educate people. Hey, did you, did you see that your expectation of him was a little bit different than your expectation of me? Mm -hmm. Or, Hey, when I'm asking you for help with dealing with one of our business partners, you're looking at me with blank stares, but one of my counterparts asked for help, you're in there defending right away. Um, So sometimes it's just pointing out, you know, what, what the difference is. And sometimes it's, you know, again, mentoring more women to, to come into the environment so that more of our voices are heard. I found it harder when at least somebody else at the table agreed with my opinion, it was harder to discount. So finding allies and finding people to agree with and speak up with me has also been helpful
0: in that environment. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, what is some of, what are some of the ways that you feel diminished as a woman, aside from that, in that environment
1: you know this is a small thing except it's not so small and i think you know for your audience often on technology projects there'll be a t-shirt or a polo shirt that gets purchased for the for the meeting and they're always cut to men's style so having to wear the sort of it uniform of you know khakis and a polo shirt it's really hard for me to be super confident in myself when i feel like i you know look like a column. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, uh, And so, you know, that is a not unintentional, not, you know, certainly no one was doing it deliberately, but it was one way that I found that I thought, you know, this doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't look good. Even, even when I had, you know, female peers, we just didn't, we didn't look like women anymore. We didn't feel as comfortable. And And I did notice that that impacted, those days impacted how well I showed up. And although we were supposed to be sort of a team, it made my voice much quieter on the team. And I noticed that other women, it made their voices quieter as part of that team because we just didn't feel as confident because we knew we didn't look as good as we could look if we were wearing our own clothes.
0: That's so true. And then also you're not expressing yourself you're not expressing your greatest power, which is your feminine power, right? That's got to come through. And it's hard to do that in a very masculine uh, form of dress where you're just looking like a column and you're looking like one of the boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what what kinds of things did you do to make the situation more favorable for you?
1: You know, a lot of times um, I, it would be trying to, trying to cultivate that spirit of team and realize, you know, just change my mindset to be, okay, this is team day. And so we're wearing uniforms today. And so uniforms don't always look awesome on everybody. So just think of this as a uniform and think of this as a one-time team. We're playing a team sport today. We're doing a team thing today. And so a lot of times just shifting my mindset from you've turned into this blob that is not very confident into you are you've been accepted as part of this team, you now look like part of this team. So just behave like part of this team. And so it was, I think that mind shift a little bit that helped me in those moments to feel like, okay, this is a signal to everybody that I am part of this team. And so even on those days when I feel like other, today I can, you know, I can, I don't feel like myself, but I am part of this team and it is, it is recognizable that I am part of this group. And so I just need to embrace that I've been accepted into this group and in that way.
0: Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking of some little rebellious things or not really rebellious, but just, just little ways that you can take back your power. And at the same time, it's more powerful to speak up and say, Hey, look, you know, as a, as a woman on this team. I don't know if you recognize this, but I don't feel very much like myself wearing this. But uh one of the things that I, I think would be fun to do is is you know roll up the sleeves or roll it up in a knot or you know, like just just add something to make you feel like you've taken back your power, at least for that day, having to show up like a, a column. <laughs> yeah, and incredible. I did do that. I did
1: roll up sleeves an okay. awful lot. Um Sometimes I would, you know, um, try to, you know, do my hair in a ponytail in a, you know, so that it looked that physically yeah. was different than what any of my male counterparts were able to do. So that was a, a way to stand out a little bit. Um, not a big bow person. So I didn't, I didn't go for bows, but at least, yeah. um, just a little bit, a little bit of, or, or, uh, you know, a nicer shoe or, a you know, I would try to find something typically, um, in those environments, it was just the t-shirt that was mandated. So I could wear feminine jeans or I could wear, you know, something, um, that wasn't such a column on the, you know, I didn't have to wear khaki pants. I could wear jeans or I could wear white pants or I could wear, you know, something that was a little bit, um, better cut to my figure. Yeah. So I would do that.
0: Yeah. And that also brings me to another point is that, um, it's it's an implied idea that if you look too feminine in that environment that that is also a dangerous thing right I have read articles and blog posts on women who were criticized because they they put on makeup or they did their hair or they wore high heels and it was very much frowned upon that you know, you, you made too much of an effort to, to, you know, alter your appearance or fix up your appearance to, to be more feminine. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: So what I noticed in the organizations that I worked in, um, there was, there was sort of a, I could do high heels if I did pants and a button down shirt or, you know, some kind of, um, it could be a pretty feminine shirt of neutral colors. Um, what I noticed is that women that embraced pink and ruffles and bright colors, um, often it seemed that the assumption was that they that they putting on something pink and ruffly um, diminished their IQ by several points, and so they were treated like that because they looked extremely feminine, and that was so such a shock to everybody's system from kind of the the you know, jeans and polo uniform of IT, um, that I found that those women didn't get treated as seriously, that if you had bright red lipstick on, or if you had pink or orange or ruffles on, um, that the attitudes just seemed to be very dismissive of those women, even if they were. and, And I could tell that some of those women were specifically going sort of over the top in that environment feminine because they were very strong women and so they wanted to look yeah very girly to kind of offset some of their directness and some of their confidence Yeah, Um, but it often backfired into men just feeling like they were um silly uh and and not to be taken seriously because they didn't fit the mold of um you know dark suit blue shirt
0: Hmm which is so interesting interesting because where did we get this idea of equating pink and frilly first of all with feminine and also equating pink and frilly with a lower iq and equating feminine in general with with a lower iq yeah
1: i don't know but i but it just it seemed that that was kind of the and i don't know that that anybody ever said specifically to someone, this is hurting your career. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that the women that wore darker suits um, and more traditional lined suits, um, so navy, gray, black, sometimes white or cream, that was fine, that was professional, everything was was good with that. But if you chose a bold color, that seemed to set you apart and not necessarily in a good way. But I also noticed that that seemed very true for technology, the technology part of the organization, and maybe not as true in some other parts of the organization sure. that were more highly um, female represented. Yeah. And um, So because IT was is not typically highly female on a high representation of women, um, it was it was sort of a, a Threatening, I guess, in technology, and maybe not as much in some of the other more uh, female-dominated departments.
0: Yeah, sounds a bit like high school, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> that you're in the in crowd if you wear this particular form of dress, and then you're you're in with the nerds and the outcasts, the social outcasts. If you push it a little bit too much, then then you're lumped into that somewhat weird category, <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that how like um hearing hearing what you have to say about having to show up in a very masculine way in this masculine dominated world in an ideal world let's say you have a daughter do you have a daughter? I don't. Okay. Let's say you have a daughter <laughs> and she wants to pursue a career like yours. What would what advice would you give to her?
1: You know, I, I think the best advice is just to be as authentic as you can be. Yeah. Because what I found is that um, the, the more people try to fit into somebody else's mold, the less authentic they become and the less their real gifts are able to shine. And so um yeah, I do have nieces and I would say to them, Find a place that gets you and that deserves you and then, and then be you. Yeah. And if you can't be you where you are, then you're not in the right place, go someplace else, because you're not wrong. That yeah. environment's just not for you. Yeah. Um, so I, that's kind of, you know, and I am also I'm super interested to see, given that so many technology workers have been working from home and been able to wear whatever they want. Um, I will be very interested to see what return to work looks like and how dress codes change or don't um, as people come back to the office. I, um, you know, in some environments it was it was very um, suits or sport coats, kind of button down oxfords, kind of environment. Um, the higher up you got in the organization, as as you got down to developer level, it was more jeans and t-shirts and polo shirts. Um, I think everybody's gotten a little bit more casual since work from home. I don't see very many people doing suits from home unless they're on an interview. Um, And so I will be very interested to see how this pandemic shapes kind of what the expectations are. And because it hasn't mattered what you've had on you know, for the last year and a half working from home and we've seen productivity increase and we've seen people contribute in meaningful ways, regardless of the fact that they had a pink flip frilly shirt on or that they had fuzzy bunny slippers on or, you know, sweatpants. Um, I'll be interested to see how and if that dynamic changes in the next couple of years as people go back to work to see if if that changes a little bit.
0: And you touched on a very good point there because in this pandemic, we've had an opportunity to really, like you said, wear pink fuzzy slippers, show up in in lounge where you know really give opportunity to express ourselves in a different way whether we're conscious of it or unconscious of it but especially if you're conscious of it it's a golden opportunity to start rewriting the rules and and start thinking well you know if i'm going to show up for an interview for a job that i really want i'm going to start by expressing myself in my authentic way even if that means wearing a, a bright pink sheath dress or something frilly or something that might appear to be too over the top, because at least then I'm weeding out the, the um, uh, I just had a moment where I lost. Yeah. The cultures and the
1: teams that don't fit you. I think you're exactly. weeding out those environments that aren't going to be open yeah. to what you have to bring
0: yeah because then you're not putting yourself into an environment where your creativity and your confidence and your authenticity and your femininity are now being completely stifled where you don't feel like you have something to bring to the table anymore you're just you're just um fitting into the status quo and and all your gifts and talents are now being diminished because they want you to fit into a box that you're That you were never meant to fit into.
1: Yeah. And I tell people, you know, as a coach, if you're going for a job interview, you need to have the mindset that you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. Is this going to be a good team for you? Is this a good environment? Does this job have the kind of roles and tasks and expectations that are ones that excite you? Or is this not a great fit for you? You'll, you know, you need to, and I think what, what you wear to an interview, if you wear something that's comfortable and makes you feel confident, and it's not appreciated, or that's the, that's the reason that you didn't get the job, thank them. Like, that's yeah. great. Those are not your people. Go find your people. Your people are someplace, go find them because they will love what you have on and love that it gives you confidence and love that you're going to bring that pop of color or that smile or that quirk or that whatever it is to their team. Um, and so I do think that that's, you know, we do we do better, we sound better when we feel more confident. And I do think that that starts with what we have on. Do we feel good about ourselves when we look in the mirror?
0: Yeah, and is it authentic to us rather than having to fit into a straitjacket? By the way, this also goes for men as well. And even in the IT field, if, I mean, I'm sure there's men in that field that are, are thinking, I just look like a block in this, you know? Yeah, and I,
1: You know, I mean I think I, I will say there, there were a couple of guys that had that were bold and wore you know a pink suit or a light green suit and. Yeah. They you know, although I don't I don't I didn't get the impression as much that they got the you know the IQ um, downgrade um, they definitely got a quirk um, you know mark on there, and so you know people kind of took their ideas and thoughts with a grain of salt, because mm-hmm. they were little quirkier than the rest of the crowd um I don't know that it was maybe maybe um there weren't as many examples of that so but so maybe they also got the the um the iq discount
0: but um yeah which is so interesting because when you think about it celebrities world leaders world influencers they dress in a very unique and often very flamboyant way and we don't we don't make assumptions about them in the same way we don't label them as geeks or nerds or something that's too much in fact we're just over the moon with wow did you see what she was wearing you know elton john his his style is so out there but you know just just love how he shows up we're just mad for that but the average person it's completely, you know, in a general sense, it's completely unacceptable. It's, it's yeah. like high school. Yeah. But that said, someone who does have the confidence, and I think the key is confidence, is to wear something, whether that be frilly and pink, even if you're a guy, <laughs> for instance, if you can wear that with confidence, um, it really changes how people connect with you.
1: Yeah, for sure, it does. And like, I, I mean, the men that I saw wearing suits that were not blue or gray yeah. um, definitely had miles of confidence to go with that because you do not put on a pink suit and go into a gray black suit environment without some confidence um, and, it, and it showed.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So um, what would you, if you feel brave, what would you like to say to uh, the man in charge when you return? You know, go back to that. Maybe it's a hybrid work environment. What would you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I am now kind of on the outside of IT and not that I'm working specifically in it. I left to start my own company um, and now help those those teams, technical teams that have difficulty understanding each other or being understood by other teams, to really understand each other a little bit better, have some language to talk to and, and work better with each other, and then with, with their you know, partners and stakeholders. Um, so what I would say is, if you want to retain people, have people engaged, have people excited about the work that they're doing then your diversity inclusion efforts need to include diversity of style, diversity of thought, diversity of behavior, in in addition to, you know, diversity of ethnicity and um, diversity is a big word. Um, I think part of the problem is that we have to learn to accept and work with things that are different. Um, And I don't think we teach each other. We we haven't taught leaders to do that very well, particularly around behavioral differences. If I put a bunch of people, diverse people together in a room, they can come up with some really great things if they'll respect the diversity and work with each other. But that often doesn't happen because it might not be as natural. And so I help people do that. And I think the work that you're doing helps people do that. If you can show up authentically, if you have authentic people that feel safe to show up, because you've embraced who they are, not just their, you know, their one idea at work or the, you know, the role that they're in or the color of their skin, but if you can embrace how they want to wear their hair and what color suit they want to wear, or the fact that they don't want to wear a suit and they want to wear something with frills on it, um, those people blossom and thrive and are the ones that make a difference in your organization. And yes. so I would say to those leaders think about why it's so distracted to you that someone looks different think about what the point is of having people kind of merge toward this bland middle and what you're missing out on because i think i think younger generations aren't um aren't as indoctrinated into you they have to work at one place for a really long time and they have to fit in and they have to go along i think their expectations are more this environment should fit me and if it doesn't i'll leave yeah So I I think they are going to have to make that
0: change. Yeah, it's very true. For one thing, I would say you have your work cut out for you. (laughs) Definitely, because there will be as things progress and shift even more. And we have gone through such enormous changes with this pandemic. And even in this last um, half of the year, a little bit more than a half, as we move through 2021, there are even more massive changes taking place and this area of inclusivity and embracing everyone's diversity is going to be such an enormous value if companies can embrace that because what that brings to the table are people that are working for you that are highly motivated and there's no, there's none of this energy that's blocking them anymore. They're not operating from a lower type of um, I want to say bright a vibration. That's a very spiritual term for a lot of people, but they're not operating from the lowest common denominator of, you know, I have to show up like everybody else, and I have to dim down my my voice and my light. And I can't be too much of this or that, because then I might make other people uncomfortable, whereas people really, and I think this is one of the key things that we've learned as we've worked from home, we really want to, first of all, express who we are, but we want to express the value that we can offer to other people, and each one of us brings something different. And in order to bring that out, it's so vital that we can, first of all, feel safe to do that, but second of all, express it in a, in a very authentic way without someone coming along with a hammer or a fist and saying, you know, no, that's not how we do things here. You're going to have to, you know, fall in with the program.
1: Yeah, it's I, it's not easy work, but I think it is vital work. Yeah. Um, and the organizations that figure it out and that are willing to put in, it's not always comfortable um, to hear what others think about your point of view or, you know, your, your standards and norms. Um, But I think when we can really embrace and work with the differences um, among us, we are all stronger and better for it. So it it is not necessarily easy work, but I think it's worth doing.
0: Yeah. I just feel so inclined to ask this question. If you could totally let your freak flag Fly, <laughs> Nikki. What would that look like?
1: Um, you know, I I love puzzles and puzzle solving, so I would bring more play and games to work. I think um, you know, finding ways to make what we do um, a little bit more fun, a little bit more enjoyable. And so, whether that means you know, I'm I'm a like I have a slinky on my desk, and I have a little you know sandbox that I can play with on my desk, and um, so I think helping people bring more, bring more fun and joy in games. So whatever that is, for me, it's games and play. For somebody else, it may be something different. But I think if we can um, figure out environments that that have that little bit of spark, that little bit of, oh, you mean I get a toy on my desk or I get to, um, you know, I get to have my own whiteboard or I get to, um, so, you know, like I said, for me, it would be finding more ways to play games at work, bringing more of that in and bringing, um, and, and seeing how you can integrate more of that, more play and brainstorming and, and collaboration.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. That reminds me of the work that, uh, Marie Montessori has done in the past. Have you read any of her books? No, I haven't. No, she did that with, uh, children in the ghetto in Italy That was way back in the, uh, I think the 1920s or the 1930s. And she took children in the ghetto that had, you know, no parental guidance. They were literally literally left on their own. And she taught them in a very playful way how to teach themselves how to read and write. And they were reading by the ages of three, writing by the ages of three, four. They were just doing phenomenal things. And um, yeah, I so agree with you that the the activity of bringing play or making play, making play or making work, I should say, feel like play is so important. Yeah. 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 So um, what do you want to inspire the next generation of, of women who are coming into the IT world, how like what, what words of advice would you give to them? How can yeah, they I be would, successful in that field?
1: Um, know your stuff and then be confident in it. Um, and I think recognize that a man can know, and, and this is true I think all over, but particularly in IT, a man can have about 30% of the knowledge that he needs for a project and raise his hand and say, yeah, I can do that. And women will have 97% of the knowledge that they need to do something and say, but I still don't have that 3%. I better not raise my hand. Wow. Um, raise your hand. You can do it. If you think that it's possible that you could do it, raise your hand. You can do it. You'll figure it out. Um, I think we don't ask for enough opportunities because we are we, we lack confidence that we can do what we're being asked to do. Yeah. Um, so I, my advice is just do, just raise your hand and, and figure it out. Um, and raise your hand for things that you want to do, not, not for things that you think you should do. Raise your hand for things that really light you up, that you really want to do. If it's a job that you think you can go for and you think you only have 50% of the experience that you need, raise your hand anyway. Because someone will know that you're interested in that way. So even if you're not ready right now, maybe you can start on the path because you've recognized that this is something that you're interested and in. other people will start to recognize that too. So I would say, you know, that. And I think the other skill that I wish that I had learned earlier that I'm still working on learning is asking for help. Um, it, it's okay to say, I, I need some help with this. I I need to, I need, I need some support. Um, it's hard, I think, for women to do, particularly if you're an only in, in an environment, Yeah. Um, because you don't want to be seen as less than, because you feel like your bar is set a little bit higher, um, but none of us have all the answers, none of us can do everything alone, so learning to ask for help, I think, is also a, an important skill.
0: Yeah, it's great advice, great advice, and if you could give advice to your I don't know how old you were when you started this career. You're 20 something, you're 19 year old something. What advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Um, you know, again, I was really lucky because I started with lots of confidence and I started feeling like a peer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, you know, my advice would be just don't don't lose that. Don't allow people that don't matter to tell you things that, that you shouldn't believe. Um, and I would also tell myself maybe, you know, maybe toning down the sarcasm and toning down like having to be right every time, like, maybe that could have, I, I probably would have benefited from toning some of that down a little bit so that what actually needed to be said could be heard because sometimes just the, the fact that I wanted to be heard was a little bit louder than, did I have something really important to say? So I think for for my younger self, that's probably what I would have said, but yeah. um, but also just lean, in, lean into just, Think about whose opinions should matter to you and then and then and, th- and then there shouldn't be a whole bunch of those. There should be a pretty small number of those. And listen to those opinions that should matter. And not to say you ignore every other piece of feedback that you get, but you don't you don't have to change who you are or take to heart things that people that don't love and care about you tell you. Um, and, and you'll come across a lot of those people. And so I would just say, think about how important is this person and how much weight should they have, should their opinion have in how I feel about myself or the work that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love your advice because um, <laughs> it's so beautiful and encouraging and also insightful for someone who's younger and doesn't have the skills to communicate, you know, those, those subtle nuance, nuances of the, the male female divide that has been created really and truly by programming it's not it's not men and women that are that are the problem it's just the programming in the society and once we can figure out that piece then we can separate ourselves from from you know immediately pouncing on someone and saying you're treating me like you know I'm dumb or stupid or whatever right yeah 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 so is there any way that we can, um, follow up with you? Uh, like what's your website and how can someone get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. Um, my website is ridgelinecoaching.com R I D G E L I N E coaching.com. Yeah. Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn at Nikki Evans. Um, and I'm happy to connect with you on my, um, website. There's a place that you can email me. My email address is there. There's also a form, um, at the bottom of my homepage where you can take a communication style assessment so you can find out what your primary communication style is. So there's somebody that you work with or in your life that you always are struggling with or that person whose number pops up on your phone and you're like, Ugh, I can help you with They're probably a different communication style than you. And once you can see it, you can start to adapt how you communicate with that person and, and change that dynamic.
0: That's cool. And who would be your your dream um, client, your dream team to work with?
1: Yeah, I love to, because I've come from technology, I love to work with technical teams. I understand that language. I understand kind of the challenges that, that technical teams have. So I really love helping unlock the strengths of those teams, giving them language to unlock that and being able to really, um, organize and work together in a way where they can really appreciate each other's strengths, um, manage differences between them and, and, and really, um, be more engaged, be more productive. So, um, you know, technical teams that are looking to clear out misunderstandings, either internally with themselves or between their department and some other department, um, I think cost companies millions of dollars every year, scope creep and budget overrun. So, if your team is having problems with, with those kinds of things, last minute change requests, budget overruns, scope creep um, on your projects, those are things that I help teams with and would love to be able to help.
0: Sounds like you do amazing work, Nikki.
1: Thanks.
0: Yeah, well, I so appreciate you sharing your journey with us and also the challenges that you've gone through and what it's really like to work as a woman in that IT field. And um, I love your confidence and I love the valuable tips that you've shared because I know that so many women who are coming up after you and maybe even some who are, you know, in this field already can really benefit from what you've had to share today. So thank you for your, your generosity.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, look forward to hearing more from you as well.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much everyone for watching and be sure to check Nikki out on her website. And if you resonate with her dream team and you need that kind of help and support, be sure to follow up with her. So have a beautiful rest of your day, and thank you again, Nikki. Thanks.